Let me ask you this question. How many of you love the anointing? What does the anointing do? What does the anointing do? It destroys the yoke of bondage. What is the anointing? It is the very presence of God Almighty. How many of you know it is good to be able to sense his presence, to be in his presence? He inhabits the praises of his people. So you're grateful for the anointing of God. How many know that anointing destroys the yoke of bondage? That anointing uh, can heal the sick. Are, are you grateful for healing in physical bodies? Amen. Have you ever, anybody in the room, were you ever delivered? Come on, if you had a problem, you had a habit, or you were deep in sin, are you grateful that he raised you up out of the dunghill? I mean, no, God is good, right? Are you grateful? Are you grateful for the anointing? Are you grateful for his presence? I have a question for you. I want you to think about it a minute. What are true riches? If you were to ask Jesus, if you were to ask Father, ask Father, and say, um, could you explain to me what you consider the highest things? What do you consider the most worthwhile? What do you think he would say? Well, I think he would say his presence, his glory, his ability to remove yokes and destroy bondages, his healing power, his power to change a situation. I think his knowledge, his wisdom, all those things to me are true riches. And so today, you know, we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, what did Jesus really preach? Because you can hear about what other people say. Now, listen to me. I'm going to tell you again, and I'm not trying to be snarky or, or anything, but you should not get your word from people who are not even born again. You ought to get your word from, uh, from the word first and from ministers who are anointed of God. Don't let someone tell you what Jesus said. And you, got, you can find it yourself. Come on, you got Google, right? I mean, you got, you got, you got some of you, most of you have two or three Bible programs on your phone. There's never been a generation like us that is really able to see what Jesus really said. Amen? And so today, I'm going to do something a little unique. Um, if you're new to the church, um, I usually don't preach on this subject. I leave it to Robert, Pastor Robert and Pastor Belinda. Now, um, I, 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 are you excited about the anointing? So I'm going to do something different than I did first service. I told them to stick around because I thought it was going to come out different. Because you all are a whole different bunch. And I like, I, I, I like them. I like you. <clears throat> Not better. Much. Uh, Luke 16, 10. I want to start here. Amplified classic. Are y'all going to be with me? Yeah. I'm down here because I need you to help me preach. I need to look in the whites of your eyes. I need you to be with me because this is really important. It really is important today. And I don't want to give you my opinion. And I don't want to get off track. So I need you to help me. Amen. Amen. We're going to get what God has to say today. Only the Holy Ghost, what he's got to teach you. I look throughout the room and I see some people who are recently born again. And I do see some of you have been around a long time. I, I, see some, I, I see some storefront people. That's 30 years ago. Yeah, we still have them around here. Sticking. So everybody in the room is different. So the Holy Ghost will teach you where you're at. It says, he that is faithful in the very little thing is faithful in the much. So what's he talking about? Faithfulness over things. And he who is dishonest and unjust in the very little thing is dishonest also in the much. 
Verse 11. Therefore, if you've not been faithful, now he's going to tell you what he wants you to be faithful in. In the case of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches, money, everybody say money, possessions, who will entrust you with what? Now, now, now let's stop right there. I did a study uh, about two in the morning because I couldn't sleep. Um, I'm grateful my wife is going to be home when I get there. She's going to be asleep taking it out, but I'm going to wake her up. Uh, who will entrust you to true riches? Really, the word riches is added. But that word true is the same thing when Jesus, do you remember when Jesus said, I am the true vine? He said, true, worshiper, true worshipers. The same word is true worshipers. I am the true vine. There's a whole bunch of them. Look them up. Go to Bible Hub, look them up, and you can see. So my point is this. So it says, they add riches for clarification. But what he's saying is, if you, uh, therefore, if you've not been faithful with money and possessions, who will entrust you with what's really true, what's really important? True riches is not billions and zillions here. God would never call money true riches. Now listen to me. God would not call money true riches. He just wouldn't. He uses gold for decoration. Big pearls. I want to see the oyster that produced that thing. What came first, the pearl or the oyster? I don't know. But, but God, I mean, you got to think of this right. Now, G, G, this is in red in my Bible. Now, I wish we could have red on the screen sometimes. Who said this? And who did he say it to? He said this to his disciples. Okay? He said this to his disciples. He's trying to teach them about where money goes. Now, listen. Um, I, I didn't know if I was going to get to it because I started out here and it didn't go well for service as much as I would like. I'm, they're good listeners and, and everything. But sometimes people ask me, why do you all talk about money? Now, if someone, if you're new to the church and maybe you start telling your friends and family where you're going, they go, oh, that's a prosperity church. Uh, we believe in prosperity, but we're not a prosperity church. We're a, we're a word church. And the, the word just happens to be full of prosperity. Healing, salvation, baptism of the Holy Ghost. We just don't avoid it. I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to make God comfortable. I'll say it again. I, I, I'm not here. I, I want you to be comfortable, but I'm more, I'm more concerned about God being comfortable. Because I really do want him to come. I really do. And there's only certain atmospheres that he can manifest himself in. And Jesus is teaching the disciples this lesson. And he's like, you've got to get this in order. Uh, um, people wonder all the time, well, why do you guys spend time taking up um, teaching before you take up the money? Most, church, most places today, they don't mention it because they feel like it offends people. Well, um, I feel like if you ignore it, it does you a disservice and it puts it in the wrong place, in the wrong context. So I've been doing this for three years. Ten years ago when it began to be popular about not talking about money in church at all, um, you know, I really thought about it. Let's do away with that. That's the trend. I, and I thought about it for a minute. And I decided, no, I'm going to stick with the word. 
Remember, 2 Timothy talks about that in the last days uh, that, that people won't put up with the truth. They'll draw to themselves teachers who will scratch their ears and tell them only what they want to be told. We cannot, listen to me, and I've even, in studying this sometimes, the Lord's been dealing with it. Now, he's hard on me sometimes, and I, I try not to be as hard on you as he is on me. But he said to me sometime, because he said, um, as I've been studying all the things Jesus taught, he said, you could accuse other people of cherry picking, but you cherry pick too. In other words, you can go down a path too if you don't watch it. Because everything Jesus said is important. Are y'all with me? These groups over here don't seem to be with me. I said, everything Jesus said is important, is it? Amen. And so did he say this or not? And who did he say this to? His disciples. Are you his disciple? Then do you and I need to know about this. Do we just need to ignore it? No, because there's something about it. And so I submit to you, if you really want the anointing, if you really want the true riches, if you really want the power of God, if you really want the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, if you really want to see the healing power of God, if you really want to see the glory, then we ought to look at this. Because he said, if you don't deal with money right, I can't trust you. That's what he said. Is it there or is it not? And so some people accuse us of being money-minded. I believe we're just exactly the opposite. I believe we're spiritual-minded. I believe we're glory-minded. I believe we're power-minded because I want you to get this, not just in church, but I want you to get this in your personal life because I want God to show up in your house. I want God to show up in your bedroom. I want God to show up in your emergency room if you ever need him there. I want God to show up in your car if you need him. So, well, you're saying there's a qualifier. Jesus said there's a qualifier. I didn't say there's a qualifier. Well, I just believe that's all available to everybody. You believe wrong. The Bible says, Jesus said, that you got to get a hold of this unrighteous mammon or money or riches or possessions. Because if you don't do with it what he said, then he said, I can't trust you. I want to be trusted. I want to see people healed. I want to see the glory. I want to see the power. That, my friends, and some of you have been around for 30 years and some of you have been here two weeks. But you can ask the 30-somethings as we go to celebrate the, um, the anniversary. Maybe I'll point out the, the, um, the, the um, uh, Austin furniture. That's, we used to be in the Austin furniture. I'll point out the storefront people. They've been here a long time, the, the, the A-frame people. Um, my heart is not to take money from you. My heart is to obey God and literally help you. Listen to me. Um, I've had to deal, and I, I have the opportunity to minister to pastors now. And I tell them from the very beginning at the, A for, at the, the, the um, storefront, when we had no money, when I was thinking of, I'm going to have to move into the storefront and take a shower out of a sink. You know, that is no shower. A sponge bath out of a sink. Because I was willing to do whatever. From the first offering, when we had no money, I began to tithe as a church. Because, see, I believe if, it, if I tell you as an individual to do it, then as a church we ought to do it. 
Because tithing works for everybody. I believe businesses ought to do it. I believe individuals ought to do it. And I believe churches ought to do it. Your money does not stop here. It goes around the world. Because I believe in this. I didn't get on some bandwagon. Because I didn't get on a bandwagon, there's no bandwagon to get off of. Jesus said this. Then verse 12. If you have not been faithful in that which belongs to another man, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? That is the true riches. So he's not talking about more, he's not talking about billions. He's not talking about millions there. He's talking about things of God that are precious. That he just doesn't hand them out to everybody. He needs to find you and me faithful. And is there test? Yes, God doesn't test you with sickness and disease. God doesn't test you with calamity. But one of the lowest tests that he gives you is with money. One of the lowest tests he gives me is with money. What are you going to do with it? Um, how many know uh, during the anniversary, we're gonna, we're, we have believed that we received $80,000 from Rama India for some dormitories. And so seed is coming to you. Don't eat it. I was reminded of this when I was studying last night, or I was talking to Robert the other day too. I don't know who I was talking to. Um, but uh, when I got out of Bible school, you know, I used to be an accountant. I used to have more money than I, you know, I, was, I did good. And then I went to Bible school, and then I uh, came home from Bible school, because while I was at Bible school, I did all right. And then I came home from Bible school, I didn't have a job. And so I was mooching off my mom and dad for the fifth or sixth time. And uh, thank God for moms and dad who let you mooch. Anyway, and so, but I didn't have any money. And I was getting ready to go to hear uh, Jerry Savelle preach. And I told the Lord, I was like, Lord, I have nothing to give him. I don't believe in receiving something and not having something to give. So I said, I just need some seed. And I was willing to sow a, a nickel. I mean, listen to me, a penny is a seed. A nickel is the seed. A quarter is the seed. I, was will, I, didn't have, I had none of those things. I didn't have pennies. I didn't let people know. So I met some people at the church, and this lady gave me a Pentecostal handshake. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? So they stick some dollars in there. I don't have any. Uh, Oh, that's a good one. So you go like that. You can keep it. And, and go like that. And it's good to sit on the front row. You ought to sit on the front row. Um, make sure Pam gets some of that. All right. So somebody did that to me. And it was 20 bucks. That was like 2000 I had nothing. Literally, I'm telling you, I had nothing. And so on the way, we stopped by McDonald's. Everybody's getting a Big Mac and fries. And, and man, I hadn't had a good Diet Coke from McDonald's out of the fountain for a while. So I went in and got me a large one. And back in the day, it was 85 cents for the big one. 85 This is how long ago it was. 85 cents. And, man, I was slurping down my Diet Coke. I was happy. Woo! I hadn't been able to even go to McDonald's for a while. And that's where I used to work, and it was free. But I was excited about my Diet Coke, and I'm drinking my Diet Coke. And the Holy Ghost on the inside of me says, why are you drinking your seed? So, it's just a Diet Coke, Lord. He wasn't mad at my Diet Coke. I prayed for seed to sow. He was testing the reins of my heart. If I give you something, will you use it for what it is given? 
Listen to me. There's a lot of pastors who fail that test morning, noon, and night. They're called, you know, offerings that are designated. And they just do with them what they want. You can't. Not legally, but not with God legally. He was testing my heart. One day, I didn't know that I'd have to do with tens and maybe hundreds of thousands of designated things. What are you going to use that for? Are you going to use, because I believe in for seed for you to sow. Are you going to sow it or are you going to go buy a TV with it that you've been wanting? All this stuff, everybody say money is a test. Now I'm looking at you and you're passing the test. I said, you're passing these tests. What's the importance of it? Are we still here in Luke 13? It says, no servant, put it up, no servant. You're going to have to stay till one o'clock. No servant is able to serve two masters. Are you able to serve two masters? You can only have one. For he will either hate the one, love the other. He'll stand by and be devoted to the one, or he'll despise the other. You cannot, everybody say, I cannot serve God and money. I like what Pastor Robert says. Money's a great tool, but it's a terrible God. How do you know if money is your God? You make decisions by it. You make decisions by it. every decision you make. Do we have the money? Uh, should I take that job? Well, that one's 10,000 more than that one. Yes, I'll take that. That's being money-minded, and that is not the way to make decisions. You make decisions by the leading of God. If you think about money, come on, rich people do this, poor people do this. Money's on their mind all the time. They're, in the United States, their pupils are dollar signs. That's being money-minded. And you don't qualify for true riches if you're money-minded. The reason the Lord does this is he tests the reins of our heart. The Bible says where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So God uses money to test you. How you doing? Everybody say, I'm passing with flying colors. Now say it anyway, whether you are or not. Say, I'm passing with flying colors. Because you're going that direction. Because you're going that direction. You may not understand it. I didn't understand what that tithy thing was. I didn't understand why God wanted my money. I, I, didn't, I at first didn't want to give him any of my money. Because it's my money. But I had to learn some things. And, and so this for me is a big one. He really tested and tried the reins of my heart. And I'm glad I finally got it together. Hallelujah. Long, long time ago. 35 years ago. When I couldn't pay my bills, when I was driving the best new car, when I was living in a new house, y'all may not know this about me, but I like me some clothes. And I could go to all the good places and they gave me that credit card and my slogan was on to victory, on to victory, on to victory charge. And then when it came back, I couldn't pay for anything. I tell this story. My mom worked in a factory uh, a couple hours away from me, and she made one-fourth of what I did, but she had to send me $30 a week so I could eat. I went to Kroger every week and bought the same thing, and if they ever raised any of the prices, I had to put something back because I had it down to a science of what 30 bucks can buy. And then I got born again, came back to God, and then he begins to deal with me about the tithe. Because I didn't know what it was. I never heard it before. The tithe. And the Lord was after me because he said, I want your heart. I want all of you. And it took me a while. Because then my accounting mind, how can you give away 10% and live on 90% when you can't even live on 100%? Without a raise, without anything going on, as I begin to do it, God supernaturally took care of me. You're way too late to tell me this doesn't work. And if, what is it about though? God was after my heart, not my money. 
God was after, God's after your heart, not your money. And if preaching on money makes you nervous or mad, then don't look at me in that tone of voice, but here you go. You have a heart problem. And I'm not talking about the one that pumps. Amen. Now, them Pharisees, they're always listening. Them Pharisees. Because they're always trying to trap him. They're going to get him. Taxes. Remember the taxes one? Do you pay taxes? And he paused and he said, well, whose face is on the coin? And he said, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to God what's God's. Missed him again. He always had an answer. Now the Pharisees, he's teaching the disciples. This is not an open meeting, but they're always listening because they want to catch him. A Pharisee's heart and attitude is always looking to catch somebody. Always ready to prove something. Verse 14. Now the Pharisees who were what? Covetous and lovers of money. Now what do you know what 1 Timothy said? It says that the love of money is what? It doesn't say money is evil. Money's neutral. I don't get to preach on this much. I might start preaching a little more on it. <laughs> nah, I'll let them take care of it. Everybody say money's neutral. It's what you do with it. Come on, people have killed people over money. People have divorced one person to go find somebody else with greener pastures over money. People steal, lie, and cheat because of money. Money is not, money's neutral, but it's the heart that goes with it. But the Pharisees who were covetous and they were lovers of money, which is what? The root of all evil. Jesus, is, Jesus said, y'all evil. They heard these things, and they were, the guy got together, and they began to sneer at him, ridicule him, and scoff at him. And Jesus said, oh, let me back up. Let me quit teaching on this because it makes y'all uncomfortable. Now, he just told them, if you want the anointing, you gotta, you got to deal with this money thing. Because you can't serve God in money. you got to pick one. Pick one. So you serve God, money serves you. You serve God, money, sh- it's just a tool. Listen, people get so uptight of it, and I'm so grateful many years ago, especially when the church is small and we didn't have much. Um, man, we used to have to believe God. I came up, I heard one man say this saying, and then I adopted it. Now people say it's my original one. It's not my original one, but I've said it so long, I'm going to take it as my original, Okay. Money's like dust. Have you ever dusted your house and then the next day you got to dust it again? Money's like dust. There'll be more tomorrow. Don't get so uptight about it. Well, Pastor, that's easy for you to say you've got some. Well, I used to not have any. And today we still have to believe. The Lord will always keep you in a place where you have to trust him. They, They sneered at him. They ridiculed him. Let's look at verse 15. He said to them, you're the ones who declare yourself just and upright before men, but God knows you're what? They loved money, and they were covetous, and they were evil. What is covetous? They wanted something that belongs to somebody else. For what is exalted and highly thought of among men is detestable and abhorrent before God. Let's get moving. 
Y'all making me slow down way too much. Let's look at let's look at this woman. You remember the woman with the alabaster box? Let's learn. So so this this is an encounter. Um, this account is in all four gospels. Do you know how rare that is? So when an account is in all four gospels, the Holy Ghost is saying very important. I want you to get this. It's told from four different perspectives, all by the Holy Ghost. So you put them together. They're at a Pharisee. At first, you can see there's a Pharisee there. You can see the disciples are there, uh, and, and this woman, her name is Mary. Um, whether it's Mary Magdalene or Mary of Mary and Martha, I'm not sure, but it doesn't really matter. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man who raised from the dead. Jesus is sitting at the table. They're all sitting at the table with Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. That's cool. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those that ate there. Verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of an essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year wages. So let's see. What do you make? Let's say you make $120,000 a year. So in one moment of time, you give your whole yearly salary, 120 k and it lasts for 15 minutes. There are no houses. There is no cars purchased. There is no food. There is nothing. You take a year's worth of your salary, and you pour it on Jesus' head. And Judas Iscariot said... Listen, people may think that Jesus said this. This should have been sold and money given to the poor. How many know that the poor are important? We just did it today. How many know if you give to the poor, you've lent to the Lord and he'll repay? But in this case, verse 6, not that Judas cared for the poor because he was a thief. Now listen to me. You and I do not want to side in with the Pharisees and Judas. You don't want to side in with the Pharisees and sneer at, scoff at when Jesus talks about money. You don't want to be, well, you ought to not waste that and give that to poor or you're talking, you're, 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 you're agreeing with a thief. We don't do that around here. Say, I'm not agreeing with the thief. thief. <laughs> Say, I'm not agreeing with a thief or a Pharisee. And since it was in charge, he, he didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often sold. Now listen, let me throw this in there. You don't need a treasure unless you got some cash. You don't need a treasure for two mites. Do you remember the scripture, Acts 10, 38? Jesus went about doing what? Uh, Rick Renner says this, and you study the word out. It, it's a philanthropist. Jesus went about doing good. The reason that, that, that Judas was so perturbed was it was a regular thing for them to have an abundance of money in the treasury, and they were always giving to the poor. They were always feeding the poor, not just with multiplication, but just naturally they were giving to the poor. And so uh, it was just a natural thing. How many of you know if you're skimming off the top and nobody knows it, you got a lot of money? So people say, well, Jesus walked on a place poor. He had no place to lay his head. He was well taken care of. Come on. He had a garment on that was one of the most expensive things that even the soldiers didn't want to rip. They paid, you know, he had Gucci. 
I'll just irritate some, some religious stuff right now. I mean, when he was riding in, he wanted a brand new colt. He wanted one nobody else rode in. He likes the smell of new. Hallelujah. Anyway. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself, for seven. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Everybody say, leave her alone. Now listen, if you go back and study all four counts, first of all, a Pharisee said this. Why, why didn't you sell this year's wages and go take care of the poor? Because you have nothing to show for it. There's no house. There's no food. There's nothing that's ongoing. This money, this, this is a waste. Judas Iscariot said it because he was the thief. So a Pharisee said it. What do we know about Pharisees? They're covetous. They're lovers of money. What do we know about Judas? He's the thief. Now, what do you got to watch as a disciple? That you don't side in with a Pharisee and you don't side in with a thief. Because the disciples all began to say it. And so I think this irritated Jesus and he said to them all, leave her alone. I have a sermon that I want to do so bad. So I'll give you a preview. I may never get to it now. But you remember when uh, the Lord was restoring Peter? Remember after he had uh, uh, denied him? And do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And so after Peter got all restored, the first thing he wants to know is, what about John? What, what you going to do with John? Right? What, what about John? And Jesus looked at him and said, this is my translation. What's it to you? What's it to you? It's not your business. That's what he's saying to these people. What's it to you? How many of you know this was her money? And if she wants to spend a year of her wages pouring it on Jesus, and even if everybody thought of a waste, as you, as you purpose in your heart, so let you give. This was between her and Jesus. This had nothing to do with Judas. This had nothing to do with that Pharisee. This had nothing to do with those disciples. When you give to the Lord, that's between you and him. That's between you and him. And if someone's judging you, don't turn around and do it. I'll do it for you. What's it to you? What's it to you? Okay, now I'll just, I'm, I'm, I want to hear a moo. I'm going to kick a cow over. Listen to me. If a preacher has a jet, maybe, he, listen, what if he has two? What if he has a, I always say this about cars, but what if he has a blue one to fly on Monday, a black one to fly on Tuesday, a silver one to fly on Wednesday, a pink one to fly on Thursday because his wife rides. I don't know. What's it to you? What's it to you? Especially if you didn't give any of the money. Especially if you had nothing to do with it. What is it? That's a Pharisee's attitude. That's a thief's attitude. Jesus said, leave her alone. What you all don't know, because you're so concerned about money, is I'm getting ready to die, and she's doing this for my burial. That tells me I believe the Spirit of God was leading her. And besides that, he said, I want her talked about everywhere, forever, forever. And we're doing it again today. Jesus liked this because it was her heart. She was so grateful. Well, she wasted it. That's what the thief said. That's what the Pharisee said. Should we be good stewards of God's money? Yes, but you should do it with what he says. Oh, Lord, Um, the Lord's teaching me. Um, I, I, like I told you, I have an accounting background. And um, 
especially when it comes to church, I am very cautious with God's money, and I want to get the best out of it. But sometimes he stretches me because he wants this to be the best. This is a representation of him. I'll just give you two accounts because I don't want to have a Pharisee's mentality, and I don't want to have a thief's mentality about wasting things. Uh, The lobby, we redid it, and uh, the flooring was all different colors. And I was trying to work out a way to save God money. Because that's what I do. I want to help him. And we were out there, and I had figured out this ingenious way to have a two-tone floor. And we were working on it. And all my staff, they're so good. They don't talk out of turn because they know if I make the decision, they're going to love it, even if it looks ridiculous. But I was standing there praying. And the Lord says, do you not think I can get you the money to make this place look good? Because this is the first thing that people see. And I was like, yeah, but. And so so he really dealt with me. And that's that floor out there in the lobby. It's all the same because the Lord wanted it all the same. So, oh, I don't believe that. Well, I'm just telling you what happened. And then the AIM building over there. Now, I didn't tell Robert this when I was building it, when we were building it. But because I didn't want him to know. (laughs) But the Lord spoke to me and said, anytime he asks you for something, say yes. Have you ever been there? They have a better screen than we do. They They have everything. And you know what? The Lord paid for it all. So, oh, that's just, you know, uh, No, the Lord was testing the reins of my heart. Whether that's a million dollars or 10 cents, the amount is irrelevant. It's, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I want the power of God. I don't want to be in with a thief. I want the power of God. Amen. Can you all hang? Um. I mean, the Pharisees, he was always on them. Uh, In Luke 18, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but remember that's when that Pharisee, Jesus was looking out, and he he was talking back to the Pharisees, and he used an example of a Pharisee. Oh, we'll just have to read it. John uh, 18, 10 through 14. Give me five extra minutes. Okay, I'll take 20. Uh, Luke 18, 10. Two men went to the temple and prayed. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. So we got a, we got a, a man in the natural who is a money-minded man, and we got someone in the spirit who is a spiritual man who really is the money-minded man. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, I thank you, God. I'm not like these people's cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax, even point him out, that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. Oh, good for you. I give a tenth of my income. Hallelujah. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance, dare not even lift his eyes to heaven. He said he beat his chest with sorrow and said, oh, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Verse 14. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Why am I bringing this out? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, but mostly the Pharisees is what it talks about, they tithed. But the Lord did not receive their tithe, even though it was 10% and it was exact. I'm going to show you something else. I want to show you that they used to do it exact. Even their herb gardens, they, they did a tithe. It's not the tithe, it's the heart behind the tithe. He said, good for you, you faster, you tither, but you're a hypocrite. 
and your heart is far from me. I'm not interested in your money. I'm interested in your heart. That's the whole thing God is interested in. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. Let's look at this one, Matthew 23, 23, verse in New Living. What sorrows await you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For <laughs> you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Ten mints for God, 90 for me. But you ignore the more important aspect of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. So what's more important to God? Justice, mercy, and faith. Tithing and money is one of the lowest forms of tests of obedience. And yet, it has to do with the power of God. And yet, it has to do with true riches. I wonder if, I wonder sometimes in our nation, where's the anointing? Where's the power? But if everybody is saying, opposing the word of God, God don't care nothing about your money. God doesn't care what you do with your money. It's not about money. It's about heart. Verse 24. 24. Blind guides. Woo. I guess I thought, I thought we were supposed to call people names. Anyway, you strain your water so you don't actually just swallow a nap, but you swallow a camel. <laughs> what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you be so careful to clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but the inside of you is filthy and greedy. Fil- what? It's the heart. I, aren't you glad? To, uh, let's not be filthy or greedy. Uh, there was this guy, Jesus was preaching to the multitude, and he yelled out, Hey, Lord, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, Am I your keeper? Uh, and then, but he taught him something, Luke 12, 15, New King James. Take heed and beware of what? What is covetousness? Remember the Bible said, don't covet your neighbor's wife. You want something that belongs to somebody else. What is the Lord concerned about? He's, what covetous is the form of idolatry. So he said you can't covet money because you put it number one and it becomes a God to you. And he already told you you can't serve two masters. So covetousness is the problem. Covetousness is, a, and, and, and if, as a tither and giver, what you're doing is you're, you're taking covetousness and putting it under your feet and stomping on it. I will not be covetous. I, I will not have idolatry in my life. I will not serve any other gods. Listen to me, your life does not consist of the abundance of things that you possess. So people say, y'all preach about things down there, and God wants you to have things. Oh, he wants you to have things, and they're just possessions, and he wants you to, he gives you all things freely to enjoy. But if he ever asks for any of those things he gave you to enjoy, you better give it away. You better give it away. Because he's testing the reins of your heart to see if it's yours or it's his. To see if you obey him or not obey him. I have this funny story. I'm telling you, you guys get all the stories today. I, had a, I went to Thailand to preach. Anybody ever been to Thailand? Besides good Thai food, in, in Bangkok, you can shop for fake stuff. For just nothing. I had um, alle- real alligator shoes made. I, I had suits made. I had shirts made. I had the guy who uh, made shirts for the king there uh, make my shirts. And then we went out and we went shopping. And I found Rolexes for $5. It said Rolex right on it. It wasn't, a, it wasn't real. But I loved it. I, I thought it was cool. 
So I wore it. I remember, I'll never forget the day the battery ran out, and I took it into a jeweler. He looked at it, and he literally threw it at me. He said, get out of my store. I didn't think it was a big deal. But let me tell you something what happened. The Lord dealt with I, I really, really liked it. So I found somebody who had put a fake battery in that fake Rolex. And um, I liked it. I wore it. And he told me to give it away. I'm like, God, this is five bucks. Let me give him something real. No, I want you to give that one away. You like it. So I did. And now I have more watches than I ever know what to do with. I've been giving away watches, and I keep getting them back. Hallelujah. And they seem to keep going up in value and quality. Because whatever you sow, you reap. But I didn't do it to get watches. I did it to obey. That's the difference. I didn't do it to get a watch. I didn't do it to get a watch. I wasn't thinking about other watches. But whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Are you, are you with me? I liked it. <laughs> I don't know if it's, yeah, there's another thing he said about that, but I can't tell you. Hallelujah. Oh, let's do this one. Let's skip that. Let's go to, let's go to this last one. What am I talking to you about today? So Jesus ministered to the multitudes. He ministered to disciples. The Pharisees were always listening. And then there came this guy, and you know him. Let's look at the Mark chapter 10. Sorry, verse 18 in the New Living. You know the account of the rich young ruler. Remember, he came to him and said, good master, what, is it, what do I got to do to inherit? So Luke, Mark 10. Can you put up the 17 in the New Living first? Mark 10. Can you go to 17? And Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running to him, knelt down and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit? Notice he used the word inherit. I believe the man knows something about inheritance. He's a rich, young ruler. I believe he's got his cash by inheritance. And I believe he had a lot of it. And, he's, and listen to me, he's heard Jesus teaching, and so he knows their eternal life is available, and he believes in it. Because he approaches Jesus and says, hey, I see you offering this eternal life. I want that. And really he's saying, I want to follow you. I think he's saying, I want to be like these guys. I want to follow you. And Jesus started verse 18. He said, why you call me good? There's only one. true. God is only truly good. Verse 19. But to answer your question, you know the commands. You don't murder. What are these? These are part of the, the uh, Ten Commandments. He gave all those. Verse 20. Teacher, the man replied, I've obe- I'm cool. I've obeyed all these. I'm, I'm good to go. Then verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Everybody say, real love tells you the whole truth. Now, if we're ever out eating, like I'm sitting across from Aldo and we had spinach dip. And I got a piece of spinach stuck right here. And he, and he, we go through the whole dinner and I go to the bathroom and I see this huge piece of spinach. I am going to yell at him because he is not my friend. A real friend will tell you that your shirt is undone. A real friend will tell you, you got lipstick on your teeth, girl. Instead of you going through the whole day, everybody looking at you like. We have a say in our house, sometimes we'll see somebody on TV and they look a certain way and we'll say, we'll look at one another and say, they ain't got no friends. Mm. They ain't got no friends. They have no friends. 
Because a friend wouldn't let you do that. A friend wouldn't let you look that way. Got no friends. So Jesus felt genuine love for him. So when the Lord tells us the truth, that's genuine love. When someone buries the truth from you, that's not genuine love. When someone won't tell you the truth just to keep you comfortable, that's not real love. It's not. It's fake. It's phony. Because only the truth can make us free. And so Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. And he told him the whole truth. Told him the truth. He said, you got to go sell all your possessions. Are possessions in self bad? No. He said, go sell your possessions. Give the money to the poor. See, Jesus is not opposed to the poor. He told this man to give all his wealth to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you come and follow me. Verse 22. And this man's face fell. And he immediately left. For he had many possessions. Let's put um, 23 in the Amplified. 1023 in the Amplified. Classic. Hang with me. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples. So now he's talking to you and he's talking to me. With what difficulty would those who possess wealth and keep holding it. They have wealth, but they hold it. It's their identity. That was that man's identity. I'm wealthy. I like being wealthy. And I'm not giving it away. So he chose that over eternal life, which he believed in. He believed in it. He wouldn't have asked if he didn't. So Jesus takes this moment and says, y'all, pay attention. Who possesses wealth, keep holding it, enter into the kingdom of God, verse 24. And the disciples were amazed and bewildered and perplexed. (laughs) Just to skip ahead, why? Well, a few of them, like Peter. Was Peter rich or poor? How do you know? He owned a fishing business. He didn't have a bass boat. He had ships. And if you got partners, you got some money. And this was a business. I, I believe this, and I really like this. You know, right before uh, Peter left all, remember he had that great, that great haul of fish that he had to call his partners, and all their ships began to sink? I, they may have gotten enough money in that for Peter and his family and all his partners for all those years, they followed, those three years they followed Jesus. And Peter, though, he's thinking, are you kidding me? Put that back up. Are you kidding me? Um, verse 20, yeah, they're perplexed. You're not perplexed, are you? Are you bewildered? No. Children, how hard is those for trust? Do you trust your money? Place their confidence, their sense of safety? Is your 401k your safety? Or is God your safety? Is your savings your safety? Or There's nothing wrong with having them. Have them. Because the Lord blesses storehouses. But that's not... That's not where your safety lies. Those who have confidence to enter into the kingdom of God, to actually work in the kingdom of God. Let's go um, 25, um, back to the new living, just real quick. We're about done. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then after he said that, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter God. Verse 26. Then after he said that, the disciples were what? 
I like the King James in this. There, it was like it says they were beside themselves. So Peter's really about to throw a carnal, a carnal fit right now. Because he's like, I have followed you all these years, and because I'm wealthy, I can't come in. Then they were like, oh, then who can be saved? Verse 27, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then he said this. He's like, chill out, Peter. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Verse 29, this is the chill out, Peter. Jesus replied, I assure you that every one of you, come on, I'm talking to every one of you. Every one of you who put God first, money way down the list. Every one of you who's a tither, every one of you who's a giver, everyone who has dealt properly with money, this is the way he's saying to you, I assure you that every one of you, everybody say, that's me, who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the good news, will do what? In this life, everybody say right now, a hundredfold, a hundredfold. Now listen, every offering is not a hundredfold offering. I don't think a preacher can promise you a hundredfold offering unless he's heard from God. Or she has heard from God. Be careful of those. Some of those are gimmicks. You didn't like some of you didn't like that. Some of those are gimmicks. But God did promise you a hundredfold return. But it, it, I think it's strange that one person's ministry, because they don't know the other side of the giver. They don't know what their soil is like. They don't know if they're even tithers. They don't even know if they're obeying God. So you can't promise that to everybody. All right. And this, but, but God promises to you because you got money in the right place. It's the right order. He's going to give you what? In this life. Everybody say right now. Profuse favors coming your way. For what? Houses. But don't forget the brothers, sisters, mothers, and children. Come on. Your, your family, your spiritual family needs to grow. And property. And then there's some persecution. Glory to God. Persecution. Everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to like it. The religious aren't going to like it. You bunch of name it and claim it, grab it and blab it. Prosperity Church. I remember when we started building this building, the rumor going around Madison was that um, Prosperity Church bought that property. I said, hallelujah. Get everybody to call you. That, that little rich church, they said. Glory, hallelujah. And get the heathen to start talking for you. What's God to do? What's the point? Yes, there's a blessing. But don't, don't be so concerned about it. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. He just adds stuff. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. Put Jesus first. He'll take good care of you. If you seek the kingdom, all this stuff, I'm just going to add it to you. But listen, y'all, very seriously. We have to all deal with it. Everybody on the planet, born again, not born again, money's everywhere. That's why the Lord uses it. And listen to me, it is the lowest testing. People think it's the highest. It's kind of the lowest. And yet so many people fail. And I want to be a pastor because, and that's why we do it. I want to keep it in front of you because I don't want you to fail. I want you to walk in the anointing. Come on, man, when, when, you're, when you put God first instead of money, there's, there should be a boldness, a confidence about you. I'm obeying the word. And God's going to take good care of you. Am I promising you to be a millionaire, a bazillionaire? I'm not. 
but he will abundantly supply for you. He'll take care of all your needs. Put Jesus first. Money is somewhere down the line, but God will test the reins of your heart. Amen.